The Water Cooler is a live storytelling event performed monthly at Bats Theatre in Wellington. This month's theme was jet planes. A small reminder that the stories were recorded live, so the language and themes may not be for everyone. Our storyteller, Thomas Smith, is a theatrical youth performance engineer, otherwise known as Alice's Hutt Valley High School drama teacher. The tables are turned on Tamar in this month's issue of The Water Cooler when the teacher becomes the student and the student becomes the host and producer of the show. Tamar takes us for a walk in his shoes with a story of extremely unlucky luck. This is Tamar's story. Can I get you all, please, to put your hands together for Thomas Smith? So, yeah, as I mentioned uh, to Alice, I have told the story a few times. Um, it takes me back to 2006 as well, so there's a nice parallel there. Um, you're in Sudan. I was, um, I was getting really excited over the whole year. I was gearing up for this trip, and I'd just met my wife, my, my wife-to-be then, uh, two years earlier, and we decided we are going to do that classic um, prove our relationship before we got married by travelling. Has anyone else played that game before? <laughs> You know, the standard. So, so we spent, you know, I spent the year saving and I was really proud of myself because I was quite steady about it and everything was organised. We, we, we made our lists of things we had to get done. We got our shots done. We, we packed our bags a month early. We were just, it was all going perfectly and um, perfectly well and I was really proud of myself. And we were aiming to travel in December the, yeah, December the 20th. Um, so the year would be finished and we'd sort of head off and have a lovely exotic um, Christmas in South America, we decided, would, would be the place that we'd, we'd um, test ourselves, so test our relationship. So there we were, um, putting this money aside, getting all excited, and everything was going perfectly right up to the day of leaving. I put my, my, put my teaching job aside, and we headed to the airport here in Wellington, and um, spent, you know, that lovely time, that lovely time just before you leave on a plane where you're just sort of wandering around, absolutely carefree, kind of just buying little trinkets because you kind of can and dangle them around your neck. And I actually bought this lovely little, I decided this little um, little thing here would be my travel token and I did all this, <laughs> and we discussed it. And there it was and, and, we, and, and my wife, my fiancé at the time, put it around my, around my neck and it was all that, one of those lovely moments. We flew off to Auckland and I swear there was sort of music playing. It was so beautiful. Arrived in, arrived in Auckland, got off the plane, everything was scheduled. So we had approximately, oh, I think it was three quarters of an hour or so before we needed to pass through those pearly gates and actually head off into the international travel. So we wasted a bit more time. But we decided we'd better get there because we you know, we'd set this example of being really early for everything. So we thought we'd better um, go through the international immigration um, and, and just sort of casually maybe do a bit of duty-free on the other side. And um, so there we were in, the, in, these, um, in those corridor zigzaggy things leading up to the, to the passport handover deal. And my wife went first, um, and she, uh, the exchange went perfectly. The, the gentleman smiled at her and wished her a happy holiday, and she passed through. And I gave him my um, passport thinking the same thing, you know, it was all going to be dandy. And literally, the minute he opened the passport and scanned it, I could see this red square reflected in his eyes <laughs> from the screen. And his face went from to, you know, you could see, oh, I've got someone. I've got something here. And I was, there, was a, there was a genuine twinkle of excitement. But then he kind of went, put his formal face on and said, Mr. Smith, 
um, you'll need to come this way and sort of point it in this direction. And we so, um, yeah, as I say, my wife, whose name's Bob, that's another story, but she had passed on through, um, through and was sort of making her way casually away and this gentleman was past, um, pointing the other, in this other direction and, and so there was an awkward moment but I decided I'd better follow it. And, <laughs> follow and I went and sat down on these, he basically escorted me to these rather uncomfortable sofa chairs outside what looked like a whole lot of interview rooms, very nondescript interview rooms, and told me to sit down. And um, by this stage, my wife had noticed that she needed to come back, and and we we had one of those little conversations that were kind of, ha, 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 yeah, parking fines and library fines not being paid. It was all, (laughs) didn't make any sense, and slightly nervous that something wasn't going to go quite perfectly because everything else had been. But we thought it would, you know, it would all pass over fairly quickly. Couldn't figure out anything. We sat down there. and We were there for five minutes, and there happened to be a, a lift, pair of lift doors right beside the um, sofa, and then leading through into the um, interview rooms. And these doors open, and two police officers walk through. And one of them looks directly at me and gave me that kind of "Yeah, you're why I'm here" sort of face, and but didn't stop to talk and walked on through. We kind of took that as a bad sign. <laughs> Moments later, he, um, he came back out and he looked at me and he said, Mr. Smith, um, have you ever reported your passport as being stolen? And I said, no, and then I thought about it, as you do. And they had that one of those moments of the coin drops. And my wife gave me one of those faces like, you're... Yeah, yeah, just absolute pause moment. And um, I said, well, four years, it was back in the days when you got your passport forever, four years earlier I'd been moving flat when I'd lived in Auckland and um, part of the deal was I was moving stuff in and out of a car and I'd left the bag on the front seat and the bag had all those invaluable things in it and the bag had been stolen and, and I'd reported it to the police and I thought that was going to be a, you know, that was going to be the end of it and the police rang me and said, well, it's late in the evening, you'll have to come in tomorrow and sign some documentation to say what you've left and uh, lost. And I said, OK, it's fine. And then the next day I went into... Um, or Sorry, the next day I got a phone call. And um, the phone call before I was heading in, and the phone call was, we've actually discovered a whole lot of things left in a rubbish tin in, in one of the par- local parks. And it, you know, some of the things are obviously yours, and one of them is your passport, and you'll need to come and collect that as well as sign for the rest of the things. So I went in there and they gave me everything back, including my passport, which was the passport I'd booked, let's say, a five-figure holiday on, you know? And there I was, realising in that moment that not only had they given me my passport back, but someone, very efficiently, had actually phoned or connected with Interpol and cancelled the passport. But they had done nothing to indicate on the passport they'd done that, and they gave it to me and I just had taken it and booked this massive holiday on it. And at that moment, I realised it, and I told the police officer, and he just looked at me like, well, you're in all sorts of shit, aren't you? (laughs) And I I realised, and everybody in the situation realised, and he left kind of saying, well, I don't know what's going to happen with you. And we just had one of those horrible conversations, like trying to sort of sort this out and looked at our watches, and we were getting down to like 20 minutes and, and, and there's just no answers. And the police officer came back and he said, we've actually contacted Ponsonby Police Station and your story checks out. We actually believe you. And it's like, 
oh, okay, well, you believe me, so what, what can we do? What can we do? Uh, well, there's not really much we can do. Uh, you'll have to stay here. And then he went away again and came back again, and he told me this. Can you believe this? He said, Qantas is willing to fly you, but they will not accept any of the responsibilities. <laughs> they're willing to fly you internationally, but they're not going to promise anything. Look at our watches. 15 minutes. $15,000 holiday, 15 minutes. You know, this is supposed to set me up to be the most reliable man that this woman had ever met. <laughs> a bit of pressure was on, and I was going, um, you know, can you give me an, an anything, a note? No, we can't, we can't do anything for you. Ten minutes. I was the closing, um, the, yeah, closing in, and um, I had that moment, and they said, we will fly you, and guess where I was flying? I was going to South America, but I was going via L.A. <laughs> flying into L.A. on a stolen passport. What are the chances? <laughs> so, the, so at this point in the story, I usually ask if, the question, if you were in my situation, what would you do? Would you go or would you stay? If you stay, you miss the holiday because there's no way you're going to get your re passport re reinstated and in the time that you need to catch up on all the connecting flights. So I'll leave that question with you. I, I decided to go, unbelievably, and my, my wife supported me in that. So there I was on the plane, 11-hour flight into L.A., <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell? And you know that on the screen you've got that little red dot thing? <laughs> haunting me, haunting me. Every single little twitch was just a closer and closer sense to do. And um, the, uh, the, the, there was some, some reason that I, I was giving off this wretched vibe, I guess, and the, the, the hostess came over to me and, and sort of gave me this sort of toilet bag kind of thing that I might want to freshen up. I don't know why, where that came from. And in it was this horrible, I don't know, gentleman, one of those, it was like a cheap razor blade, but the worst one. It's almost a fold-out one. It was just really horrible. So I'll never forget the image of me in the bathroom of a plane trying to shave my face with soap, you know, that horrible shave, just because I thought maybe my, a shave will be the thing that'll save me. <laughs> so I'm flying and we land in LA and it's like, this is the first, the, well, I had travelled a little when I was a lot younger, but this is my first international kind of landing in another place and I was wretched. I was... I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say I was quite teary at times. Oh, and, and the other thing was the only, because it was, I don't know, well, one of the only movies that was even accepted, even remotely appealing was um, <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. So there I was <laughs> crying. I think that's probably why the, the um, airline hostess gave me this. I was crying watching Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> And, and it, you know, my wife was, and she, she says this, you know, she was watching it as well and she was having one of those horrible moments of actually liking the film and wanting to laugh and then seeing me. And... <laughs> anyway, so there I was in L.A. And we, you know, we did, L.A. is this massive airport, as you probably know, and it, we, did, we had to bus to the, to the terminal and there we were again, sort of in that situation of winding down, getting closer and closer, and I kind of knew that this was going to be ugly. 
Uh, or maybe praying, and I was rubbing my little emlet. <laughs> and there I was, and, I got, and, and again, I don't know, we just decided, um, Bob went through, and she gave the guy, and he was, welcome to America, you know, have a lovely holiday, you go on, you go on through. And I give, him, I give him mine, I'm just standing there, like, you know, facing doom, basically, and exactly the same thing happens. Nothing changes, except the guy's a little more excited. You know? <laughs> Just a wee bit more excited. He's got someone, and it's like, Mr. Smith, you'll have to come with us. He's, I can, you know, imagine him like, and he turned into a monster, and he s- sent me in this way, and I, and I was escorted into a room this time, and it was not much, it was basically the same dimensions as this, There's, but there was, it was cubicled off, and there were two windows, and then there was this bench, and it was hard benches all the way around, and there was, I'm not kidding, there was a, the most cliche, badass room of him, sort of, yeah, imagine American sort of badass gangster movie. Over here was a massive Mexican family that was sort of just screaming and almost stabbing each other and it was <laughs> ugly ass. And then there were two guys that were obviously connected, but they weren't talking to each other. <laughs> you know, there was, they weren't even looking at each other. Something, some serious shit was going down. To, and so we kind of ended up in the middle of this and, and you know, like... <sighs> And by this stage, exhausted and wretched, and we were like, ah, ah, and we're occasionally allowed to go up and talk our pitiful story to these windows, and they were just going like, who the hell let you out of the country? <laughs> you know, this is ridiculous. We can't do anything for you. You know, you're just stupid. You're going back, you know. So we sat there, and went, hours went by, four, four hours in total, but, you know, hour by hour went by and occasionally they'd ring the consulate and say, you know, there's these pathetic Kiwis here. Can you <laughs> and the consulate's saying, this is the consulate saying, oh, God damn, it's like days, but it's, we're closing down tomorrow for Christmas, you know, like, oh, no, we can't do anything for it. And just tick, tick, tick. And, and um, these, these security, um, like, uh, I don't know, border security characters who had their office would come in and they'd look at us like, what are we going to do with those two, you know? Like, something's going on there. That's really weird. This is not, you know, they're not looking badass at all. They're looking <laughs> pathetic, melting there in the corner. And we're, actually, one of them threw this biscuit at us, which was like, <laughs> just because, you know, we'd, they'd been there for hours and it was like, and not only was it a biscuit, it was like dry and it was a peanut butter biscuit. <laughs> so they were, you can imagine what that's like. Oh, it was just pathetic. And they kind of came over like this. And, <laughs> Anyway, so the, yeah, so it just went on and on and on, and they said, "Okay, this is the deadline. If after this point, you know, nothing happens, nothing changes, you're on your way back to New Zealand, and you're never going to come back through the states because we'll process you as a, a legal immigrant or legal, you know, whatever, whatever the term was." Tick, 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 tick. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Four hours pass, and then you know, like it's half an hour before the, the actual shutdown time, the deadline, and um, they'd say, "No." Nah, it's over. You're on your way back. Um, we're going to have to process you now. So they actually escorted me through, and they did this, the finger scans and the retina scan. And, and I, I always imagine myself in one of those badass boiler suits at that stage, you know, like because I was really proce- fully processed. And, like, I'm being escorted out, again, imagining the handcuffs and everything. And those is the cusp of the door, so it's there. And I'm stepping over the door. It's all got, It's all over. And the phone rings, and it's the consulate, and they say, if you get here by 12 o'clock, we'll issue you an emergency passport. And I was like, yeah. And at that point, the really cool thing was all the, all the security guards, all the, the, um, yeah, the, the, the official 
characters, they, we were all suddenly their Christmas like good miracle, good story. And so they were all kind of like, oh, good on you, great, awesome, awesome. And they were giving out photocopying or printing off, you know, directions to the consulate and, and, the, and the best hotel to go and stay at. And, and so, like, 15 hours after this whole situation, I'm standing on the street in LA and just with my wife, and we're just looking at each other and going, how the do we pull that off? <laughs> what are the chances of that actually coming off? And I slept like the dead that night. And, um, and I've got images of me running down the street, you know, in this, first of all, in this complete alien environment, but just like sprinting to catch a bus to, do, to get to this place. And we got there and we, they were like basically sweeping up, you know, and we walk in and they're like, oh, you are the luckiest. Oh, come here. Come here. <laughs> So, yeah, and they go, okay, well, this is going to take a little while to process. So, you go down and get a coffee. That's what we do in the States. You go down and get a coffee, and we'll call you up when you're ready. Um, oh, and actually, you're going to need to get a photo taken for the passport. And it's like, oh, hey, hey, wicked. I've got a photo because they, they'd taken all the snapshots and they'd actually given me the mug shots. <laughs> is, it like a, is, it, is it like a, you know, a tourist? Like, here you go. And they, I can, you can use those. And they were like, oh, we might as well. So, they took those. <laughs> So there I am downstairs having a coffee, and I was thinking, oh, still feeling like the luckiest man, eh? And um, the phone rings, and I, and, I, and I look at the phone. It's from, it's from upstairs. They've got my number. And um, they say, look, Mr. Smith, you're, um, you're, you're going to have to go and get some new photographs taken. You're so sickly pale against the backdrop that it doesn't even register. We can't, we can't use your photo because you're so pathetic and... And so we had to go and get another, other snaps taken, and we got them, and we um, took them back up. And, um, yeah, and then we got... So we got the, the uh, passport, and um, that was great. And then... And then the... Um, the where do you think... The, the other, like, curly bit, and I kind of kept this as quiet as I possibly could, the curly bit was um, that we were actually heading to Cuba... So that was a kind of... And we tried to keep that on the low key because that would have been kind of... We thought that might have been the nail in the coffin. But literally, we managed, and we managed to just somehow get all... You know, because we were one day behind at that, from that stage on, so we managed to coordinate. So we caught up with ourselves, and I was literally sitting in Cuba on Christmas Eve smoking a cigar... In Havana, smoking a cigar, thinking I was... Man, I just caned it, nailed it. <laughs> So, yeah, that was like this, this chance to, um, uh, yeah, that every, every, every point along the way I thought it was just going to collapse on me and, it, and just push through. And I guess the moral, that I, if there is a moral, <laughs> no, first of all, I'm certainly not the hero of the story and I kind of have to come to terms with that. My, I credit my wife with being the hero of the story. And the other thing is um, that the moral for me of the whole experience was um, the fact that if, I reckon if I'd been really aggressive at all or lost my, you know, which I was quite possible at times, I think everything would have changed from that moment on. But because I was completely pathetic and wretched <laughs> for the whole time and all my interactions, somehow I weaseled through <laughs> what was the most ridiculous situation. So if there's a moral to my story, it's like, Act wretched and pathetic, and you get away with it. You know, get away with international. I don't know, whatever the term is, um, high crime. <laughs> Give it up for Tama.
Thank you for listening to The Water Cooler. If you've got a great story to tell or would like to hear previous episodes, you can visit us at thewatercooler.co.nz. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. This episode is produced by Alice Bryan, that's me, and also hosted by stand-up comedian Alice Bryan, who was also me. So make sure you get to the live show and come and see the magic happen. This show would not be possible without our founder and director, Sarah Finnegan-Walsh. Special thanks to Radio New Zealand and The Wireless for their continued support. This podcast was brought to you by New Zealand On Air. Join us next month for more stories from The Water Cooler.